you know, people have argued money's not the commodity, time is. I don't think so. You can have all the time in the world and be sitting in a room by yourself, and that's not that great. The, the greatest commodity that I believe is, is trust, right? Because you can, you can impact the entire future of the world if you have enough trust in one minute. But if you have, if you have zero trust, you can have a lifetime and, and, and do nothing good for anybody. We're on a mission. We're going to find and uncover the smartest, most successful entrepreneurs on the planet, explore their highs, their lows, and how they ultimately mastered the game. I'm Martin Cook, and I'm excited to welcome you to the Smarter Destiny podcast. I'm grateful for you and your time. Now let's level up together. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Smart Destiny podcast, where this time we have my friend Michael Brooks on the show. Michael is the CEO of GoLance. GoLance is a freelance marketplace where you can find talent. And Michael knows a thing or two about that, and we're going to jump into how you can add value to your business leveraging the offerings of the freelance world the pitfalls the highs the lows what to avoid we're going to tackle all of that michael has written three books three amazing books on three different subjects one of which was around digital currency when bitcoin was like 50 bucks right so he's got a little bit of an oracle see into the future thing and we're going to tap into that as well in addition to everything else living in puerto rico scaling his business go lance did 40 million sorry 50 million dollars in payouts last year to their freelancers so you can see the kind of scale they're operating what's crazy is they've never run an ad on facebook or google they've scaled using other ways ways that you might not know about and we're going to get into that in the interview so if you're not teased enough if your nipples aren't erect enough this might not be the episode for you but if you are tantalized listen in as we welcome michael to the stage michael How's it going? <laughs> Thank you for that kind introduction. Thanks for having me a part of the program. And I appreciate it. Hopefully, we've got some erect nipples out there. That's what we're hoping for. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. And in pairs, I don't, it'd be unusual maybe to have an odd number or something, but we can talk about that off air or something else. So, Michael, we know that you're in Puerto Rico. Um, and I normally ask whereabouts in the world you are. But the next question is where? did you come from? What's your origin story? Do you have a time in your past which really serves as a very early chapter, if not chapter one in your entrepreneurial journey? Could you take us back to that time and paint us a word picture? Sure. Entrepreneurialism was always kind of part of our family. Um, making money is also. So money was always a conversation. Uh, I'm, I'm Jewish. So we got Passover coming up. We, you know, hide the matzah, we play dreidels. Like it's really a culture around making money. Um, and it's, it, we, it was just something that was not taboo. And probably it was probably the only thing that wasn't taboo to talk about. So it was like constantly coming up with ideas, talking with my family, getting them shot down. And then every now and again, one would be a good one. I think the first one was, you know, dog walking. So that was, uh, that's like, been part of the I really like it I like that kind of I can go out and do something and provide my own service and eat what I kill right if I'm not out doing something on my own uh, I'm not bringing anything in but had lots of jobs between uh, the dog walking business and today Um, but where where I decided this is the only place like this was going to be it 
was uh, and the statute of limitations is up by now, like three weeks after 9-11, I was touring uh, the country. This company had, that I was, I was working for, but also recruiting for, and um, they had this uh, amazing opportunity to, to go around the world or around the country for eight and a half months on like this rock star tour bus that was converted into a cigar nightclub. And I had cigar experience from jobs I did. Um, and then I had a lot of event marketing experience. So they let me be on this like high profile tour and it was amazing. Um, but I had like two weeks off and, uh, and I went and I wanted to hang out with one of my buddies, my old roommate in Spain and I bought a ticket, but my passport was expired. So I was like, oh my God, I was pretty young. I was young and stupid enough to go, well, I'll just use my brother's passport. He's blonde hair and blue eyes. I have brown hair and hazel eyes, whatever. (laughs) So dumb. But it like, once I, it was like one of those things you kind of do. And then you're like, I can actually probably get in. I never got in real trouble before that. I was like, I could get in. This is, I mean, this is international. Like, it, it just heightened the senses of everything I was doing. So uh, I used his passport. I changed the ticket to his name because I couldn't get a refund on the ticket. And I used his passport and I flew. And there was moments where there was like scary moments. And um, But uh, I brought a book with me that a lot of people have read. Uh, and it's like, I don't want, I want to say it's, it's probably required reading elementary reading for anybody that, uh, that wants to be an entrepreneur. It was rich dad, poor dad. Um, and that was one of just a mindset. It put a lot of logic to, 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 to action. Like what, why have I always wanted to go and make my own money? It was like almost a, 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 a therapeutic, a psychological, um, pulling up a layer of why you do this to yourself, you know, like it doesn't make logical <laughs> sense, right? You can get an education, get a job, save and invest wisely and live a very nice life in this and most countries, uh, especially in, in, in the States where I live. Um, but like, that's why risk everything have these dramatic highs and lows. What, what's the point for like some nicer stuff, <laughs> like still get power, water and food. Like it, so it's, um, it had a lot of that kind of uh, peel back the psychological. This is what the difference is. This is what true security looks like. Security that we think we had really isn't. Uh, and and that I started getting into like all the greats like that, the, the Tony Robbins and 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 everybody who's saying um, even I even read Sam Walton's book on that trip. But that was uh, that was probably the point where I was like okay, I need to commit my life to this whole entrepreneur thing and start seeing things in a different way because this is not, this is, this is, this, I'm all in. This is the path I want to go. I understand why. It's not just because I found the Alpha Coman on Passover and uh, made the five bucks. <laughs> so so, uh, so you're on the, so to, to sort of um, regroup on that one. So um, you're on the pay, the plane, you've, you've realized kind of the journey that's got you onto the plane. Your senses are probably a little bit heightened. Your adrenaline's pumping. Maybe more information went in as a result when you were reading. Maybe that's the state of mind we all need to get into. But you had a series of epiphanies from reading these books and looking at your life and sort of going, actually, risk reward potentially it's worth taking the 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 harder road um for when looking at your future is that is that somewhere near it 
Yeah. And I think it was also heightened because that Rockstar tour bus, like that was the first job I had out of college. Like the, literally the day of graduation, even though technically full disclosure, I didn't completely graduate. I still have a couple classes to go back and take. Yeah. I'm not going to take them, <laughs> but I do. Um, the, I still was able to walk early and um, that night went out to this. I mean, I was making really good money. Like and from a jobs perspective for my age, it was traveling around new city every day. It was amazing. And I risked everything to like go hang out in Spain for, and like not set, not like sit for a couple of weeks. Like I, I had to know instead of being in a different city every day, I had to fly to the other side of the world and I risked really my freedom to do it. Hmm. And, and so I think, like you said, heightening the sense, reading this book, going, why would I risk all of this? Like what's, so it was a plane and, and just, uh, everything was risk. And I'm, but yeah, on the plane, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I can not have a job. I could be, in, you know, in a foreign prison with no, you know, getting rid of this great job and everything that I built up. And what am I, what am I fucking doing here? Right. But then I got there and yeah, I went to the Picasso museum and did a bunch of touristy stuff, touristy stuff, got to hang out with my buddy, but I really just wanted to read this book and I'm not exactly a fast reader. So I, but I, what I read, I really retain. So I just wanted to sit and just go and enjoy and spend time reading, reading that book, which I did. And, uh, and that's when I, I came back just knowing not exactly specifically what I was going to do, but what I was committed to. And that's the word, right? That changes everything is commitment. And that's where I see the difference between entrepreneurs and like lifelong committed entrepreneurs and uh, you know, people that are excited about trying something new. Okay. So let's, let's talk about the difference between um, commitment and uh, you know, the, the, the people who are looking to just try something new. We spoke a little bit off air about um, entrepreneurial mindset and the, the wisdom that you can share there was any, could you introduce some of that wisdom and was any of that wisdom applied there and then when you began to crystallize what you wanted to do moving forward, moving away from the cigar, uh, cigar tour bus. Um, yeah. So many, many years later, uh, and I hadn't quite committed to a specific business at that time. Um, but I just knew I was committing to the mindset had I focused. And I remember reading an article like later in life about some guy that like just said, I'm just going to commit to the diamond industry. And he just was like one of the most successful people in the diamond industry. But he was like, I've got uh, 60 years of work in my life. He was in his 20s or whatever. And he's like, I'm just going to figure this out. And he played that game. Um, and it didn't take me, it took me until many years later. I just, uh, I, I built a subscription billing company. Um, and I was segueing out of leadership and, and moving it to the other co-principal and, uh, it was one of those businesses that during the, like the big uh, economy crisis and whatever, 2008, 2009, um, a lot of personal and business stuff. I almost lost the company, but I was able to hire uh, these freelancers uh, internationally. And unfortunately I had the pain, the deep pain of letting go of a lot of people that I really didn't want to. And it was like, oh my God. And I just felt like a total failure. And I almost closed the doors 
And then I was like, well, I don't know. I guess I can, I can try hiring this dude four hours outside of Moscow and still a great friend, still work with the guy today. He's the CTO of that company. Just saw him in Panama uh, a few weeks ago. But it was like I took this big, in my opinion, there was a giant risk not knowing someone, not touching them, not shaking their hands, not looking them in the eye. Um, and they're, you know, thousands and thousands of miles away in a different country. And I'm going, oh, okay, that's, this is it. And I remember letting go, I think all in, we had to let go of like 40, 50 people. It was a, it was a heartbreaker. Um, we did keep some core team and then we start, we started with one outsourcer and like things got better. Like productivity went up. I'm like, how is that possible? How is it possible that productivity went up? And obviously costs went down. So we needed other people. And we're like, well, I don't, like we already got rid of the office. I've already been through that kind of humiliation. I don't really want to do it again. And I kind of enjoyed the space of moving around. So I, I hired another out freelancer and then another one. And like, again, and we had our problems there too that we worked through. We were able to figure out. It wasn't all roses, but it was better, a lot better, a lot easier. And then, you know, we, we made most mistakes. Like once we started getting successful again, we were overhired a little bit and then we right sized. And now we um, run very effectively, but uh, getting that from like crisis to stability, to growth, to uh, bye, Michael, we don't need you anymore. And then, you know, show up and go to some events and have fun with your friends that you made in the industry. But other than that, fuck off. And I'm going, okay, uh, what do I do now? Right? Like, uh, I've got a few bucks. Okay, Not, nothing crazy. But like, uh, I'm but like, what do I want to do? And then I went back to the commitment mindset. And I was like, all right, I was like 36 at the time. I'm almost uh, 44. And I'm going, what would I do? How, well, I, just, I started with this question. How much longer do I want to work? You know, because I had that mindset, you know, three to five years, exit, blah, like, and it's, and that's cool, man. If you've got the energy for that. But I started, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not, uh, not 22 with some hot new tech idea that's going to revolutionize, you know, drinking water. Like I, I'm, I'm going, what, what do I want to do? how long do I want to work? How long do I, like, I really like working. How long do I want to do it? And I was like, I can do it till I'm like 75, 76. I'm like, all right, so let's call it 40 years, right? So if I was going to commit to, to one business for 40 years, like the diamond guy, right, what would it be? And to me, it was, well, the freelancing thing. And that thing saved me, right? That's when I started the, the freelance marketplace, um, but having that long view mindset has allowed me to make a lot better decisions, a lot smarter decisions and stuff that, you know, doesn't heighten my intensity, which has its benefits, but being able to say, and, uh, you know, off air, we talked, uh, that, that one, uh, Warren Buffett quote, I saw a video where he was talking with a bunch of young, young people at a school. And he said, you know, if you had one car and you knew this is your only car, you were going to have the rest of your life. How would you treat that car? And he's like, it's ridiculous. You can have a lot of cars, but you have one body. How are you going to treat your body? If you were to focus on one industry, one business, and then you know that the people, you know, in that business, the, the, the relationships you make, 
the reputation you develop has to last you in that space the rest of your working life. And you're committing to 40 years. Does that mean you have to? No, things happen. But that's what I wanted to. And that's what I committed to. Um, Knowing that that's the mindset and knowing that that's shaping the decisions that you're making makes all the difference. And we've had good, steady, healthy, I, I would say, I mean, probably scale, scaly growth, scalable growth. And I think we're even going to hit more than that, not to push too much on that, but it's really on the methodology that I want to, to not because we're just such badass entrepreneurs, but because the, the methodology of going, okay, uh, you know, we're looking to build and grow this business, which is essentially just building and growing trust. Right. And it's uh, the, the thing I'm most proud of is, is my kids and, when, and there's a couple of lessons I give them. And the, the number one is uh, we discuss, you know, just like even though my, my, my wife and I are different religions, uh, we still discuss money and business. That's that's <laughs> that, that is not a taboo subject. And I'm saying, look, uh, you, you, they know what a commodity is. Um, and I'm going, you know, people have argued money's not the commodity. Time is. I don't think so. You can have all the time in the world and be sitting in a room by yourself. And that's not that great. The The greatest commodity that I believe is, is trust, right? Because you can, you can impact the entire future of the world if you have enough trust in one minute. But if you have, if you have zero trust, you can have a lifetime and, and, and do nothing good for anybody. Um, so it's, it's the most combustible. but it's it's the most valuable by order of magnitude year over year um so that's uh that's been our entrepreneurial mindset and uh i don't have my my grandfather anymore that i would bounce the ideas off of and uh, talk with that that got me into the initial dog walking business but now i have my kids and i bounce ideas off them and they bounce ideas off me and that's is it's uh, continuing that cycle and hopefully shaping the, the, the mindset of, of my, my little people. I love all of that, and 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 it was you. You mentioned we were talking off air, and one of the things you you mentioned off air was like the 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 difference in approaching uh, buying a car. You said so um, using Warren Buffett's um, uh, sort of uh, hypo, hypo- uh, metaphor, if you like. If you could only buy one car, if the next car you're buying it has to serve you for the rest of your life, what would the decision making process be for that rather than like, ah, if if a car turns out to not be a great car, I'll just buy a different car, no worries, kind of thing. And and the difference in that. And so you've you've applied that to to Golance. You're you're thinking in terms of decades not years so we're not exiting in five years making a quick buck who cares about trust potentially if you're only going to exit in a couple of years um you're you're going long form and in the introduction we talked about how golance has scaled 50 mil um in payouts last year and the growth has not come from facebook ads and google ads how do people scale their business, their digital business? That's one of the things we've all got in common, and, and you know, in this um, in this audience and podcast show, how do you scale to such a level without paid ads? So yes, that was that was like we we looked at that as a no win situation for us because how could how could we uh, 
how can we just jump in? And I looked at the budgets. I use the keywords by tools. I use, looked at the budgets, my industry counterparts. And I'm like, I can't win there. Like they beat me there. They, they beat me there. They outspend me there. Um, that's, that's not going to be our strategy. So I went pencil and paper and I looked at what the value uh, of a client relationship is worth and the value of a freelancer relationship is worth. And then I looked at my time and the time of people that I work with, writers and people that can answer questions. And so we started focusing on, on providing value as a marketing strategy, not self-aggrandizing, not, you know, hey, this is who we are, come work with us right now, but um, one by one, digitally knocking on doors and mainly my, 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 big, uh, my big secret is Cora. We get a lot of views from Cora, but I'm constantly on there. The Cora is an answers platform. We've done some Yahoo answers. We spend time on LinkedIn. Um, we even go into Facebook groups and answer questions and discuss, but, but building your going on podcasts, sharing <laughs> ideas on podcasts and, and recognizing that, Hey, I can go here, answer somebody's question, maybe help them out, maybe make a connection. Maybe I mean, even if it's not, helping them out with a service that we provide, just helping them. And then uh, they're going to look at me. They're going to see where wh- what we're up to and maybe they'll work with us. And that's been over and over and over again, a, a strong key to our success is genuinely and authentically just helping people with stuff we know about. Um, but we, we try to keep it in, you know, hey, how do I find this? What's a good testing platform for that? And I get in there and answer. And then people look at us and they go, actually, this is a good value. Uh, I, I like this value. I'm going to, you know, uh, work with these guys. So that's that's been our marketing and branding strategy. Um, and then sales strategy is, you know, knocking on doors. We have one uh, one salesman that we've been working with almost from inception. And uh, we every day, hey, how's it going? What are we looking at? Let's go through this. Uh, non-pressure, not pressure sales, but you know, hey, the, you should making little videos, sending them, hey, here's how to do, you know, like uh, podcasts and blogs and that type of stuff. You're not always promoting specifically what you're doing. You're trying to share and provide value. Now, I do think at some point we are going to be buying ads, but we're and, and, and competing with our industry counterparts. But for right now, we're not quite there yet. And I really like that we've been able to get a strong foothold in the space in our in our industry by using this little method um, by using. But it, it takes it takes a lot of time. It's not flipping on a switch. And, you know, like like we talked about, a lot of people want to jump in and scale super quick. Um, this strategy that I'm talking about probably wouldn't work that way. However, I talked to you, you work with, you talk to a lot of e-commerce guys. I do look at these e-commerce guys and I go, look, and even if it's not you that does it, Find somebody who specializes in your product or that can specialize in understanding your product or can find answers and then set them to answering answers while representing your brand. Set them to go out there and find people who have questions and answer the questions and look at the cost of that person, right? Look at how much, I mean, obviously we have freelancers, right? We have freelancers all over the world that do this strategy. They, they, they go look at, okay, uh, how much is it going to cost me to hire somebody who's competent? Maybe they know about a subject, maybe they don't, but they can find an answer and then go, go serve that up while representing our company. And we look at the traffic and we get a significant amount for that. So appreciation, 
I think is one of the greatest marketing strategies and most undervalued, most undervalued. It's one of um, reciprocations, one of the things that humans can't resist. It's um, Robert Cialdini talked about it in Influence. It's, it's why um, when you get the check at the end of a meal, if the waiter has left like a couple of mints or a couple of sweets, statistically, you're more likely to tip something like 16% higher than if um, that came with nothing. It's like this power, this reciprocation and the need to reciprocate. And I, I get it, like you're you're leaving value on the internet and, and we're trained that from, you know, it's in our DNA, DNA to to respond to that and um, often much much to a much higher level but you know sort of tactics and psychology aside like you've you've genuinely offered value and hopefully that value is is wrapped up in like the solution also is like and by the way Golance is the solution for you you mentioned like you look at the analytics how do you I was going to ask about tracking how do you um like how deep is your tracking? So you're answering, say, hundreds of Quora questions, say, a day or a week or something. How do you know which answer did it? Or how do you even know it's it's from Quora? Like how, what's your process? So it's we're, we're probably not nearly as sophisticated as we should be on that. Um, we are looking at integrating different platforms. We're looking at Mixpanel. I like those guys. Um, we, we, we haven't put that much into... Hey, let's figure out what's a good idea. What specific answers are giving us the most? I mean, we do get we do get to to see on like when we use Quora, for example, how many people upvoted. Uh, but our our we 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 can clearly see where the traffic's coming from, but not this. We don't look at the specific answer as we probably should. Um, but when we can see how much value we've provided in the answer, how many people liked it, how many people commented on it, that's really where where we attribute our success to so we might have answered a question that nobody really cared about but got a lot of traffic and that's wonderful um i don't know that we're going to ever spend time looking at that we're we probably should but uh so far and uh, it drives a lot of the spirit is looking at how many people are receptive to it and how many people it helped how many people agree with with what we've what we've, uh, what the, the answer, the support that we've provided. Um, so it's really creating a culture of support and value is huge. Interesting about that tip, man. I didn't think about that. The little sweets. I, I totally would do that. I would totally tip more. Or you know what gets me is when it's like a, a nice waitress that's just like super sweet and she writes like a little note like, thank you for coming in and like uses a heart for the eye. I'm like, oh, okay. Like it's just she like, oh, that's so yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, I, it's, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's the power of reciprocation. Um, uh, yeah, it's crazy. And, and actually the difference, it's a really good book actually influenced by Robert Cialdini. And it's, it, what's interesting is that if they give you one mint, um, it jumps from something like 6%. You're more likely to tip 6% more to like 16% if they give you a second one. It's, um, it, yeah, there's, there's interesting, there's lots of studies in this. Psychology is fascinating. So you've got, um, but also like if you were tracking which core answer, there might be ways to like bump up the ones which are doing well for you, right? And and like that sort of thing. So um, do you, I'm curious as well, in terms of how soft the promotion is like obviously it says you know this is michael from golan somewhere around your answer but like do you sort of leave a little note like hey if you want to learn more we've got this blog post here or that those kind of things or no like, no uh, yeah never 
people genuinely, they read some of these answers. They want to know who they are. It says in my little like title, you know, Michael from Golands and it's got a link. And so, um, so it says under my name, like what I do and the company and, and, and they pop out from there. But uh, if, if I've helped somebody, right. Typically if they're worth their salt, if, if so, let me rephrase that. If somebody's helps me in any fashion, I'm going to want to see who that is because probably that psychological man, he's just left like 17 minutes on my table. Right. Like I, I want to know who that is. Uh, that was a good answer that that provided me some value. So um, that that's been a great way for us to compete uh, differently, compete in a different way than, than our, than the, I'm just going to see that my, I mean, how do you get, how, how do you get a competitive edge when everybody's playing with the same knife, you know, right. And add a little bit differently, like, right. And I spent a lot of time watching all the videos, uh, all the blitz capital videos. You ever watch those no. like drowned in them? Like where the, the founder of uh, LinkedIn talks about blitz capital. And he's like, we just basically raise so much money that you don't care and you just mm. kill everybody else. And I'm like, okay, that that I can see works, but that's only if you're fighting on the same battlefield. While you're yeah. out there on the battlefield fighting, I'm going to go to your village and, you know, uh, kill all your friends and family that are unarmed. Just, just kidding, but <laughs> just kidding. But, I, but like, if I was in a but if I was in a strategy <laughs> like that, that would be yeah. uh like you you if you're we're unmatched capitally. We 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 haven't raised. Uh, we're not a multi billion dollar company. We haven't raised massive uh, amounts of capital so that we can fight on the same battlefield. So we've got to, uh, we've got to go, you know, uh, we've got to think a little differently. Um, I'm a big, big fan of game of Thrones. Not that Ramsey was a great guy, but I remember one scene, he's like, I just need 10 good men. And he went out and didn't go on the battlefield. He lit a bunch of fires and burned everybody down, demoralized people and left. I'm like, there you go. Like it's, we're yeah, trying to help people who's demoralizing them, but, uh, you know, the result is the same. Absolutely. All right. So so um, let's talk about freelancing for a bit. Um, so in the introduction, we talked about how to tap into, manage, and get value from freelance talent. Yeah. What mistakes do you see businesses making before getting into it? And how can you help them avoid those mistakes when they inevitably bolster their, their resources with some freelance um, so the, the biggest mistake, and I see it going down, like not as much, and I would call it the sickness, right? The biggest mistake is assuming, you know, you, you, people will do anything for money and you don't need to care about them, but they'll care about what they do because you're giving them money because they're poor and they're in a poor country. And I would hear people like, oh, just, you know, like almost talk down about somebody because of their geography and that, you know, dude, I'll pay him like six bucks an hour and he'll get a website for me. And like that, that mentality where it's like, that's guys over on the other planet, on the other side of the planet, man, who cares about him? Right. Like he he's lucky. He's lucky that he gets my, you know, like what does tantamount to what I spend on, on a, a meal for, for his weekly salary. That's a terrible mindset. That's the worst and when I start talking with somebody like that or, or, or has that, I, get, I, I don't know that we can help you. The people that we work with, you, you, the treating them like they are part of your organization is, is the, again, it goes back to the long-term mindset. 
building trust, allowing them to build trust with you. That is, you've got to go in there with the right mindset and going, I'm here to get an honest to goodness, amazing value that will give me an unfair competitive edge, right? That's all I want, unfair competitive edge. But I need to find people around the world where I can, I usually not just try to pay them like fair, but a little bit more, you know, attrition sucks. And you can find amazing people. And if you find somebody who's 20% of the cost of somebody here and you pay them 30% of the cost, they're going to stay with you longer and be really appreciative. Um, and, but when you're like, I'll just find a cheap person and it, it, it always, it blows up every single time. So not getting rid of the word cheap and replacing it with value, right? Because if you, you get what you give, man, if you want value, you give value. So saying that we're looking for the right person with the right value and, you know, trying to offering and maybe not starting at, you know, uh, an, an extra 10% or 20% over market rate, but creating a pathway there and considering these people are, are really part of your company. So that's the mindset to start with it. And then there are ways to get to get there. Um, one big tip that I highly recommend is testing and not just skills testing, cognitive testing, um, co cognitive testing, uh, creativity testing, all different types of testing will, will make a significant difference. Uh, and putting people through some extra time interviewing with other members, making them feel like they're even though they're, they're applying for it, dude, it might be a $3 an hour job for right. It might be that you might, and that might be a fair wage where they are. It might be three to five, five, but it's getting them to go through a process to where they're being added to your organization will create the commitment. It will, you'll be able to identify their commit, their, their commitment, um, you'll make better hiring decisions, but, uh, yeah, that, that is, uh, that, that, or however people hire when they're looking to bring a member into their family, right. That, that should be the process. Um, that's what I find to be the most effective process. Amazing. I love that. And so where can people learn more about Golance and uh, what you offer? Uh, golance.com. Um, we, uh, we have a freelance, it's a freelance marketplace. People post jobs. We try to fill the jobs. Uh, we also do manage development and talent recruitment. We, uh, where we actually go out and recruit people and say, okay, we're going to find you the right person. That's a lot more involved. And then for some uh, more enterprise type clients, we, we have a strong specialty in FinTech. So we, we bring a lot of subject matter experts and um, we'll actually do the development for people. Amazing. All right, golance.com. So at this point in the show, Michael, we like to mix things up. We go into the rapid fire question round. I ask the questions quickly. You can choose the speed in which you respond. Are you up for that? Let's boogie. Are you two thumbs up, up for that? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> There's a big sound as you drop something to get those thumbs up. I appreciate that commitment. All right, question one. If you ever had to start again, how would you make your money? I feel like I'm not doing this fast enough. Um, <laughs> if I ever had to start again, how would I make my money? Uh, I would. I would probably go work for somebody. 
Yeah, <laughs> I would. I would at this. I mean, if I'm starting at this age, I would probably go find somebody that's ambitious and young and spirited, and I would figure out how to use the benefit of my experience to help them have an amazing organization. And I'm sure I'd make some money along the way, but I would find people that are that are doing stuff and and try to be in their corner. I would love to to be a supportive coach. For somebody else at this stage well hopefully not for you know several more years but that sounds like a lot of fun nice what's the most common or biggest mistake leaders make ego and i wrote an article years ago um years and years ago i didn't always i mean there's a lot of uh i would say i have more experience than wisdom probably significantly more experience than wisdom but uh i made a lot of mistakes um, I, you know, I told you about when I got crushed and the whole economy went down, but before that, everything seemed to work and I had a hard time reconciling why everything I did worked, but there was a lot of luck there. I made a lot of money and I didn't recognize my ego was like, eh, yeah, I thought I was the difference maker. And I was the, the, I had the Midas touch and everything I turned touch turned to gold, but so eventually a lot of it turned to fool's gold. And I had to be very, and I wanted to recover from that pain. And I wanted to recover from, from my own arrogance. Uh, so I took some time and reflected and wrote, uh, wrote an article called Business Owner Success Syndrome, B-O-S-S. And it was just a very self-reflective article going, this is what a, the difference between a boss and a leader. So to, to say the biggest mistake that business that that leaders make business leaders make is thinking that they're bosses and not being leaders nice speaking of who is a great leader alive or dead and why who's a great well i think probably julius caesar i mean uh they, they have a whole month named after him in july <laughs> um but uh, I, I don't know if, if, if I would categorize him as, a, uh, as an entrepreneurial leader, um, alive or dead. Wow. Who's a, I mean, there's so many great, great who, who leaders. Who springs to mind? Yeah. Um, I mean, who, who is extremely, uh, who's extremely rich in character? Who changed I mean, I love history. I study history. I would probably say um, Augustus Caesar, who came after the greatest, you know, arguably the greatest man in history at that time and had to live in that shadow and then uh, rebuilt Rome and, and, and had uh, like brought in a new age and took his amazing, in, both inherited and then earned power. And so he had that, I've inherited this great name from the greatest man, but I also had to fight to keep everything that I was inherited. And then he used that immense power to, to make lives better and to build, to, to make people more free, but to make the, his, the, the, really the world a lot better, where his predecessor was um, extremely controversial and, you know, but there was... Uh, I love that time, but I would have to say, you know, it, no one could be Julius Caesar, but the fact that Augustus was who he was really shaped the world unto where it is today. So, Beautiful. I, 
Sorry to go that far back, but no, I, no, I, I like that. And, and, and I'm a big believer that history not only repeats itself, but also like actually internet, uh, the history of the internet kind of repeats itself. And I talk about this sometimes when like <clears throat> people are like, Oh, I wonder where, you know, the, uh, TikTok will go next or whatever. And you're like, well, just look at Facebook, look at Google, look at, look at all the ones before it, right? Like at the moment it's really great. Everything's amazing. And then where's it going to go next? Well, they're going to clamp down on the rules a little bit. It's going to make it a little bit tighter some people are going to start getting banned they're going to start monetizing and limiting reach a little bit more um people will deal with it for a little while da, 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 and then eventually it will get harder and harder and harder and people will move to the next one right which is what what has happened really facebook's at the end of that sort of cycle before that you know so history repeats itself over and over again and um even in your your scenario well i think uh, so we're looking at julius and augustus well it's it's very similar like nowadays you see you see people all the time they've been built they've been born into wealth or they've been born into success and they have to sort of earn that and and deal with that and then make their own name that's away from the shadow utilizing what they've got but at the same time you know going out and making their own identity and their own self i mean so again i mean it's you know it's still as relevant today as it as it ever has been so uh, i like it what is one of your proudest moments had nothing to do with business. Um, well, I guess it kind of did. My daughter was during when the pandemic started. Um, I'm proud of both my kids, but my daughter, when uh, she was nine, she kept coming up with all these ideas and wanted to go build her own business and do something. And she's like, you know, looked at what was going on in the world as an opportunity. And we live in a little community where you can golf cart call the neighbors and whatnot. It's, it's a lot of houses and a lot of neighbors. And, uh, she had these ideas. She wanted to make a coffee delivery business. And thankfully she, she, she got talked out of that and she decided <laughs> on a cookie business and she kept coming up with these ideas. And I'm like, well, when are you going to make a product? When are you going to sell it? When are you going to, and I kept trying to drive it back and we have a hammock out here. And so we sometimes just lie down on the hammock together and talk. And she went and kept talking about her ideas and talking. And I finally said, you know, I don't want to hear your ideas anymore. You sound like just another loser entrepreneur. That's going to keep talking and talking, but never actually do anything. Either make a product and find somebody to buy it or go back inside and play with some dolls. <laughs> Tough love. She cried, but she got her ass up and she went out and she figured like she started going on uh, my wife's, they made her own Facebook account. And then she connected with all the people in the neighborhood that my wife knows and uh, started chatting with them and, uh, got up in the morning, made some cookies, sold some cookies. And then her biggest month, and she I, she had that uh, by the time she was, uh, I think, 10 and a half. She's just about to turn 12. She netted $2,000. Wow. And this is a little kid. I never <laughs> yeah. made that money walking dogs, <laughs> you know, but she just had, she just, it was just a, that was, that was tough. Because I knew, I know, I mean, how many people have you known were there? you know, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it's like, yeah, okay, when are you going to start? What are you going to do? What's yeah, next? One step? day oh, I'm going to, yeah, yeah. The, the one days. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Congrats to her as well. That's, that's yeah, definitely never made that much money at that age. Um, incredible. What daily routines do you have with a morning or evening that have helped make you successful? Uh, I started supplements. 
like that. I, I, I've not been on any routines for the longest time. I started doing like testing, seeing what supplements are going to optimize my health, focusing on health. Um, and then uh, the Peloton religiously, religiously four days a week or I fall apart. But that's not by choice anymore. I, I have to. <laughs> I have the age. I just have to. Um, I have to do it. What book or books changed your mindset or life in addition to Rich Dad, Poor Dad that you mentioned earlier? Um, the Alchemist was a great one by Paleo Colio. Uh, I really liked the, the book by Sam Walton, the Walmart, My Story, uh, or American Made, My Story. Um, a really good one that's not very well known and is several years old is by Ken Fawcett. It's uh, uh, on the wings of Eagles. That was the story of Ross Perot before he ran for president against George H W Bush and Bill Clinton. Um, he was, he ran as an independent and uh, before then he had some employees stuck in Iran during the uh, revolution there. And like this guy created a team they like got they got sent to prison and they were held for ransom and it was like this whole thing um and he created a team of his own employees and hired a former colonel and and flew them to iran it like illegally broke their their employees out of prison got them through turkey and like got them out like i mean you're i'm reading this and i'm like well this guy loves his people and he even flew in himself on his private jet, walked to the, uh, walked into the prison, signed his name and, uh, and, uh, like said, Hey guys, I'm busting you out of here. Like, it was like this weird and you're just like, there's no way this happened. And you, you're, you're reading it and it's a true story. So amazing, amazing book, probably the best one I've ever read. Wow. What advice would you give your younger self? Uh, aside from buy Bitcoin, and <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I just got back from the Bitcoin conference. Um, I don't know that I would have listened. I was kind of a, a, an arrogant asshole, you know. I, I would have been like, "Dude, what do you know? You're just me," <laughs> you know. Like I would have probably just be like, uh, uh, you know, clean up the language a little bit, Michael. Like, um, there's, I mean, there's so much, but. Uh, I mean, how do you, how do you share, you, how do you share wisdom with, with, with someone that can't hear it? Um, I actually, one advice I'd say, go ask three people to describe you, mm. right? Go ask three people that you were asked. I, I would, I would ask them, I would advise uh, reviews, say, ask people around you that you work with and then friends to do a review and ask deeply questions of how you're showing up and how you're, how you're conducting yourself. I've done a lot of that. Um, a lot of like coaching and been coached and that type of stuff. And that's like, that's when you can take control of your life. That's when you can take control of, of, of your own character and all the stuff that like makes us make the decisions we, we make and behave the way we do. That's where you can break that and decide to write your own story. Um, which is, which is great. Uh, it's almost better <laughs> that, that you don't start that way or that whatever things work out the way they work. But I would say, uh, cause then you can follow, you can follow a rule because if uh, one person says you're an ass, you know, maybe, maybe you're, 
maybe that's they've got a problem with you. If two people say it, you really should think about it. If three people say it, uh, buy a saddle. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're an ass. Um, I, I think that's an excellent, um, an excellent um, process or something that I recommend everyone do. I actually did it recently as well um, because it's 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 crazy like what we think we are or what we think our strengths are um we have this uncanny knack of of being of seeing other people so clearly but not seeing ourselves super clearly and seeing our strengths and and you know what we are and what we mean and you know the things that we find easy others might not and actually asking those people around you those questions in addition to like the reviews and the hard truths um is a great way to learn more about um yourself and and change are you are you on the are you on the track that you're you're trying to be on that you want to be on as a result right like and if you're if people are calling you an asshole then probably you might want to shift unless you know that's your thing yeah yeah probably <laughs> you probably should <laughs> if you don't want to shift then you know maybe maybe it is but it's uh yeah trying to figure out how the world sees you by being open to 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 how people see you to to hearing how people see you that's and and maybe there's something to learn maybe there's not maybe they're right maybe they're not but at mm-hmm. least you get the benefit of of the feedback and you maybe get a glimpse into how other people see you absolutely what unusual or underrated food or drink should more people try out uh ginger shots Ooh. every day love them Love the ginger shots. Get all jacked up on that. It's really good for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Um, I, I agree with that. Actually, I, I recently, um, as in like an hour ago, had a smoothie, a very green smoothie. But in there, there was like some rather large, sizable chunks of ginger just thrown in. They all got blended up in there as well. And uh, I love the fire and the heat. And uh, yeah, it's good. It's great for immunity. Final question, Michael. What makes you happiest? Um exhaustion when i know when i know i've just put in everything i have and i've just i've gone out and i've gotten my energy out and i've done the absolute best i possibly can and uh, made the best decisions i can but but backed it up with every bit of work uh I, i love that i love that feeling of i cannot read another email i cannot have another phone call I'm like, that's that when I get those, those times where I just get to be completely exhausted and I've earned it. I love it. Nice. That's an amazing answer. I love that. And you've just got it all out and you've just, Oh, you put it all in, left nothing on the table. Um, brilliant Michael that brings us sadly it brings us to the end of the show Uh, it's been an incredible episode I've really really enjoyed tapping into your wisdom today uh, learning about how you when everybody the world is going in one way and doing all this thing you're you're seeking out the alternatives like the Quora versus say Google Ads for example um, and just your your mindset of giving bringing value bringing the good stuff and um, sort of trusting in in you know what will come as a return of that hopefully because you're in it for the long term not not for the short term you're not trying to make a quick buck you're trying to build something of value and that takes time and you recognize that it's been a fantastic fascinating interview thank you for taking the time to share with us on the smart destiny podcast it's been a pleasure thank you 
Hey there, you incredibly good-looking human. Thanks so much for listening. If you had a good time today and would like more good times in the future, please hit that subscribe button and leave a heartwarming review. I read them all and it will go a long way to help others out there benefit from all the teachings of this show. And if you want to get in touch or otherwise learn more about me, head to martincook.co.uk or smarterdestiny.com. I really appreciate you. You're an incredible human. Until next time, keep crushing.